Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show whose mama don't dance and whose daddy don't rock and roll. I don't know. I I, I had nothing on this one. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host. I'm Dan Ludwig. Welcome to, I think we've agreed, the bad episode of Breaking Mayberry. I think yeah. I think we just gotta we just gotta put it on the table. This is the worst episode of Breaking Mayberry. Welcome. We have two episodes that are very good. I'm hungover. I watched this show like five minutes before we started. Uh, it's it's gonna be just. This is where we find out like who really loves this podcast from wh- who just immediately scrolls to the next thing and who powers through. See you next week, folks. Yeah, <laughs> have a good one. I I appreciate you just like setting the standards just right out the gate. Uh, I'm I mean, part of the reason why we're, this is going to be quote unquote the bad one. Uh, is that like the two episodes of TV that we're going to talk about are are good? They're yeah, just, they're good. I have stuff to say though. Like I'm fascinated by them. They're so different from everything we've seen so far that like I I don't know you're selling yourself short or you're selling me short. Uh, anyway, really, <laughs> we uh, we found that we can like squeeze blood from this stone before like i i found one moment of like the the best one of the two of these where i was like oh that's a fucked up thing to say yes i got one oh i've got a thread i can pull and maybe this whole son of a bitch will unravel uh one thing i do want to point out about our relationship as co-hosts is that sometimes you and i bring new episodes to discussion and by bring new episodes to discussion i mean one of us tweet from our shared twitter account <laughs> if you are reading our twitter account at break mayberry and you see one of us say we're gonna do this for a future episode please be aware that when you read that and you learn it for the first time one of us also learned that for the first time <laughs> So, in summation, look forward to our upcoming Artemis Fowl episode of Break Mayberry, because I read a tweet that a me- and I have never wanted to podcast a thing harder in my entire life. I can't even get mad at you for that, because, like, literally three days ago, I did the exact same thing because I learned that there's a Partridge Family episode where Danny Bataducci becomes an official Black Panther. And I learned that there's a movie where Josh Gad eats and shits dirt at rapid rates as a form of mining and burrowing. That you can watch Josh Gad eat dirt and then immediately blast dirt out of his asshole and yes we are doing a podcast about that honestly by by the end of this honestly i don't want to i'm not excited about this this is gonna be horrible but it's something that just needs to be done sometimes the podcast speaks through me by the end of this we're just gonna be the disney plus cast Disney Plus is a fascinating service that is, it's the worst imaginable library from the company that has everything. Yeah, it's crazy. You watch Disney Plus, it's like, we have a we have a library of like a thousand things. And it's like, what's the percentage of them that's watchable? Not good, but watchable. 
two! Uh, it's just like hours upon hours of absolute dog shit, including something that uh, me and my girlfriend tried to watch as an endurance challenge called Fuzz Bucket about a little boy's uh, invisible mole person uh, that was so viscerally upsetting that like it felt watching it felt like being stuck in a coyote trap. Like I wanted to gnaw off my own leg to get away from that movie. I got something to talk about. So I actually went last weekend or uh, to go out into the middle of the woods uh, to a cabin. I rented a cabin, and the cabin did have it was it was glamping. Like I wasn't doing any tough stuff. Uh, the cabin had electricity. The cabin had satellite TV, uh, which meant that I've complained about like why do I spend money like on six different streaming services. The answer is because television is garbage. Ish horrible it's 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 absolutely abominable i was like okay let's see what's on dish network and it (laughs) turns it turns out that on dish network your option your best option is basically to watch half an episode of bob's burgers or a 25 year old episode of seinfeld but every three minutes you get interrupted by an ad for lawsuits about mesothelioma and that's Best case scenario. Best case you scenario. You extremely lucky. Yeah, that's, I mean, and I was, I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm being unfair because I'm looking at the coveted, like, Monday at three in the afternoon time slot, you know. Uh, but then I went forward. I'm like, okay, let's see what's rocking here at the, uh, the prime time, Mondays at nine or whatever. And I counted no less than four channels airing paid programming where Larry King reviewed different prostate pills nice like it was called larry king's prostate miracles and i saw it on the guide no less than five different times my my house has a like a, a, a living room tv and the living room tv only has cable and so me and my roommates will occasionally like sit down there and we will fucking watch cable it's mostly there for football and every time we do it we like turn it on and we're like all right let's watch something and it is watching an episode of naked and afraid on discovery channel just like slip through our fingers where it's just like all right let's see what's going on oh god the last five minutes of, of naked and afraid no 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 no, no. Oh, damn it we're watching ncis Fuck. <laughs> uh what's on tbs it's big bang theory of course it's big bang theory uh i would there was an episode of seinfeld on like an hour ago wonderful thank you cable for letting me know about that the first time I went out to meet my girlfriend's family in Iowa, uh, I met her grandparents, and they were telling us, I don't know, about kitchen utensils, because that's what you talk about in Iowa. And they talked about this this wonderful pan that they have, that they ordered off of as seen on TV kind of thing. It was this amazing pan that we can cook everything in, and it's, the food just slides right off. And I'll be honest, they did a pretty good job of pitching this copper steel treated uh pan to me and i was pretty excited about it then they handed it to me and i was like oh wait yeah this is just a fucking pan but as i'm examining the pan i look over into the living room where my girlfriend's grandfather has picked up the television and or picked up the television picked up the remote i'll teach you to sell me a subpar pan you son of a bitch <laughs> no they loved this pan they were so into this pan and this is how into it they were he had just picked up the remote i look up on the screen and suddenly i'm watching the paid programming billy Mays or whatever like 
video like advertisement for this pan like just watching it and i was really confused for a second and i said did he did he just know that it was pan time on the tv did he just know it was like oh time to watch the pan commercial and her grandmother told me no don't be silly he dvr'd it (laughs) like i'm the (laughs) oh yeah you fucking idiot he dvr'd this infomercial to show you his pan here's the thing though i can't like use that to shit talk anyone because i've realized something while i'm scrolling through instagram or whatever and there's just like a pop-up like a video it's just like oh here's a nifty gadget that can help you in the kitchen or here's Something to attach your toilet to squirt water up your ass or whatever. That's Every a time, day. yeah, I know, I know. Every time I stop and look at an Instagram ad that is targeted to me to sell me shit, I'm being an infomercial guy. Yeah. I'm just those are just millennial infomercials. Yeah, and they work. They fucking work on me. It's the same thing as just like an old man who can't sleep watching a thing and going. Oh yeah, sometimes I do have trouble pouring orange juice. That's it's every, I have yeah. bought so much stupid shit from Instagram for that. It's just millennial infomercials. It's the same thing. I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes it is hard to hold my phone. Yeah, like we all understand how horrible and creepy targeted ads are. We're all on the same page. But at the same time, as someone that watched Cartoon Network when they were nine and was like, why is this? channel for children's animated tv shows uh telling me that i need a good divorce lawyer yeah Uh, like why why is this why why is nickelodeon in between episodes of rocco's modern life uh asking me if i have the right antidepressant i'm a child i'm like like, just just watching the ads in my home in between episodes of johnny bravo going you know I have no control over the air conditioner in this household, right? You yeah. can sit there and go, another scorcher, and you'll call today, you'll call now. You know I can't call Sears, <laughs> right? I'm eight. <laughs> I'm a child. Uh, television, I can't refinance my house. I don't even know what that is. Why are you... Go get my mom. Go to my mom's <laughs> channel and talk to her about this stuff. Advertise me action figures. So I am now- very excited by this man in the Riddler costume who says that he's got a book about free money to change my life now. Yeah. I'm a child and I really have no use for money, but that could be helpful. He understood what wavelength we were on. Did you actually know the deal behind that that book? No, what was his fucking oh, deal? Oh man, so so Matthew Lesko, the guy who you might remember from those shirts, well, all the question marks, whatever. I actually found one of his books. They're available at any library. Right. right. You can get these books. And if you look at the free money for, to change your life book, it's literally just a guide to government assistance programs. It's literally just a thing that tells you how to get on WIC and Medicaid and welfare or whatever, uh, state by state and country, and just has a listing of how to do all those. Which is a useful resource. It's very helpful to have that. All in one place, like a phone book. That's a great idea. And I'm glad that he went and compiled all that into one resource for people. But no one gave a shit. Yeah. No one cared at all. So that's why he was like, well, I guess I'll sell this book if I put on this dumbass Jim Carrey Riddler fucking shirt and just scream outside of the Capitol building. It's free money. 
No, it's not, dude. It's taxes. Yeah, it's just basic awareness of how you live in America. Well, I mean, some people don't. Lots of people don't have that. So yeah. he created a very useful thing that no one was interested in. No, it, like because in America, if you uh, unless you pay for it, it must be bullshit. Yeah. So, so yeah, I am happy. I like a part of me is like happy to get targeted ads because I'm like scrolling through Instagram. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's a thing I'm actually interested in. Like, I'm not annoyed to see that ad. What the creepiness aside, it's hard to shake that like resentment from being a kid. Yeah, I mean, I realize, I think that mostly, if I've learned anything, it's just that advertisers don't really understand how anything works or who listens to what, uh, or who watches what, and they, they've put millions of dollars into research and found absolutely nothing. Yeah. Hey, Dan. Yeah. Do you enjoy food? I enjoy food sometimes. You can get food from Blue Apron, shipped right to your <laughs> home. Dan, do you enjoy sleep? How yeah. about sleeping on a Casper mattress? A mattress that can come right to your home. Hey, Dan, do you like jobs? I love jobs. Well, you can find jobs maybe on ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter, it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) ZipRecruiter, from two people that work in career services, no. (laughs) Yeah, to to be clear, Dan Dan and I are good at at that part. No, no. Uh, Wait, I I have a new strategy. I have a new strategy. Here's what we're going to fucking do. We're going to start doing ads for Casper, and eventually, Cas- someone's going to be like, hey, are we paying Breaking Mayberry to do ads for us? And they'll be like, I don't know. It must be an accounting irregularity, because otherwise, why would they do this? Uh, <laughs> Is that so the then plan? they'll are we just, just start paying us. Bully our way into an endorsement deal? Yeah. Hey, hey, folks, you know what's good? Sleeping. You know what's bad? Not sleeping. You know what makes sleeping easier and better? mattresses that are good and uh better than the one you have right now you fucking idiot you're you're a copywriter (laughs) you fucking dipshit look at you sleeping on a lumpy ass mattress uh also when you like get them you pull a cord and it inflates like a raft which apparently delights people and don't you want to have that moment of joy in your dull dark life uh don't you want that shit use the code mayberry at checkout, and maybe you'll get a discount? I don't know. Hopefully, let's say 10%. Casper, it's a mattress. <laughs> Alright, so, um, Dan, you had a story, but I think we'll save that for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, no, let's... we're just gonna take that QAnon guy I met and just, like, put that in the chamber. For for next time. Let's go ahead and, and rock and roll with these two episodes that we have here today. Uh, so we're gonna do a two-parter because these show these episodes are good they're good television uh, but there's not a i mean this stuff to say i guess uh let's just roll into this uh we're starting with season three episode 19 class reunion originally airs february 4th 1963 written by everett greenbaum and jim fritzel and directed by not bob sweeney <laughs> Charles Irving. Charles Irving directed both of these, and we're not going to do the, like, funny thing. His name is Charles Irving. He There's directed... nothing. I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to f- I'm gonna pick up what's weird about this guy's name. Charles Irving is the most normal goddamn name in the fucking world. And, I, you know, here's the thing. At the end of this episode, Class Reunion, when I saw it directed by Charles Irving 
flash onto the screen. I screamed, fuck you, Bob Sweeney. Could we have had this good shit the entire time? Yeah. Like, could every episode have been this good? I actually, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that not every episode is like this because it would be pretty boring. But this episode, here, here's what I'm going to point out we about these, these If two every episodes. episode was like this, we wouldn't have a podcast. Yeah. So you need you thank your fucking you get on your knees and you beg for Bob Sweeney's forgiveness for churning <laughs> out crap. Uh, these are not episodes of the Andy Griffith Show. These are not trips to Mayberry. These are short films. Featuring the actor Andy Griffith in a support and a supporting role by the actor Don Knotts. Yeah, that we just slid onto network television Mondays at nine on CBS. Like they're so good, and I, it might just be because I'm so used to Bob Sweeney's direction, but mm-hmm. they look different. Beautiful. They look significantly different. They're beautiful. These are movies. This yeah. is movie quality stuff, and it is just outstanding. And uh, here's your um, one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Andy meets an old sweetheart at a high school reunion, and their romance briefly rekindles. And that's basically what happens. I'm just, I, I don't even know if we need to go scene by scene here, but basically what happens is uh, Andy and Barney stumble across their old high school yearbook while they are moving something for... Uh, Barney's neighbor or somebody? Barney's Uh, mom? Barney's landlord uh, has him move his shit out of the basement because she wants to start growing mushrooms as a get-rich-quick scheme. So there is a five-minute bit that is two guys moving a trunk, and it is actually good, which is so fucking insane for this show, because it's just like, at one point, they think that they might have ripped their pants, so they do a check on each other to make sure they didn't rip rip their pants. They talk about like uh, about the mushroom growing business and shit like that. And oh yeah, yeah, the, good. The, the The mushroom growing business is a thing that uh, is the next step from her previous business, which was she bought a t- a machine that turns old tires into strips of rubber, and then she knits them into like floor mats and other uh desirable items as barney puts it like they're just talking about how this this landlady is just a really industrious woman who keeps buying shit out of the back of magazines to start her businesses she's basically just like if if it was today it would be like barney is like yeah i gotta move all my shit out of the garage because my landlady's got a whole bunch of fucking uh nutrisystem bottles to to store yeah she's been selling a lot of makeup oh yeah she got uh she got on tara reed's new beauty line so she needs to store all of her shit down there. not tara reed uh she got Christy on Ty- uh, no, tyra, tyra banks. banks she got yeah. on tyra banks's new beauty line like she's selling smize now so you know we gotta uh, like i need you to move all of your shit out of the basement tenant who is paying me uh <laughs> They're, they got a lot of those diet shakes, Andy. Just a lot of them, boy. You got you've never seen them before. Like they had this thing. They got this thing, Andy. Your bamboo. You wrap yourself up in the bamboo, and the pounds they just melt away. Look at me now. I was a big boy before, but look at me now. Look how skinny I am now. Just uh, pounds. Just, you, it. You know what they call it, Andy? They call it. It works. You know why they call it that, Andy? Because it works. <laughs> 
<laughs> she's got uh she's got some of those acaya berries, Andy. You know you know what an acaya berry is? They're uh one of them super foods. They're like foods, but you know. They're super. <laughs> now listen, Andy. Everyone knows that the gorilla has the best mindset of all of the primates. Yeah, so they're just fucking moving a trunk, talking about his landlady, and it's great. They lift up the trunk, the bottom rips out, all of his shit falls out, uh, and they like there's like a brief moment where where like they they think that the trunk is just really light because they they counted this time when they lift it. They they great great, great bit. bit. They, they talk for five minutes about striking matches on a rock, and somehow that actually, like, gets you in a warm space, because they're talking about how, like, they used to light matches for their dads and would help them light up the pipe. Whatever. I'm like, this is kind of sweet. And then they finally, after going through Barney's old crap, they find their old high school yearbook. They uh, flip through it, and they do, in fact, have pictures of Andy Griffith and Don Knotts from high school found myself pretty confused because like oh man young john knotts was actually kind of good looking i'm i'm confused right right now i mean you, uh, it is something we have been kind of keeping in the chamber of people do find don knotts attractive people people are hot for the for the naughty boy and <laughs> fuck you <laughs> oh god oh that was like a punch in the nose that stung and i don't know what to tell you man yeah uh, so don knotts was compared uh on twitter to uh pete davidson pete as davidson. someone that is confusingly attractive and i think that might actually like that tracks that i tracks. get it like you explain don knotts attractiveness in terms of pete davidson and i i'm like oh i see it i get it who is the 1960s equivalent of ariana grande is it eartha kit i think it might be eartha kit i mm. mean I, you'll you'll need to break down Arya Grande's attractiveness, which I feel like no. is not going to be a comfortable or fun let's, exercise. Let's, let's not let's not get into that. No, uh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead and so the next couple of minutes are literally just two old men looking through their high school yearbook, and I liked it. They're just. Yeah. Uh, I want to point out a couple of things I noticed about this. Number one, Andy Andy's full name is Andrew Jackson Taylor. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and also, when they list out the activities uh, that each of them were involved, Barney Fife was a hall monitor because he was a narc from the very beginning. One hundred percent, could not wait to squeal. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, of course, Barney Fife was a hall monitor. Uh, and they get into it and they start talking about Andy's old girlfriend from high school. Uh, they talk about his old girlfriend Sharon Despain. Great name, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're like, okay, well, wonder what happened. And then Andy says, hey, what if we had a little reunion? You know, schools have reunion. I think the idea of, like, the high school reunion had pretty much just appeared. It wasn't standard everywhere. I think it's weird, right? We just, like, that was very clearly just a post-war thing. So this had to have been, like... Like, they had to explain on television what a high school reunion was. Because it wasn't just assumed that everyone knew. Yeah. yeah. So Something that kind of, like, jumped out at me is, like, as I was watching this, is like, remember when Andy and Barney were veterans? Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this. Uh, so this actually gives them an exact date. So they were class of 1945. 
or if they joined at, right out of high school, they could have served for about a year and a half because officially for the U.S., the war didn't end. We didn't leave until December 31st, 1946. So Andy could have seen action for about a year, maybe a year right. and a half. So it does make sense, right? So uh, it gives us this. And it also, like, if it's 1963, uh, this is their, like, 17-year reunion. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, ev- like... everyone here is about 40. That's a, that's 38 to 40 is everybody here. Right. Um, which is very confusing because the people that they show on this, like, this show doesn't know how old everyone is supposed to be. Yeah, this timeline is very squishy. I was also kind of looked at that going, are Andy and Barney supposed to be the same age? Yeah, to the day, the same age. They weren't even in different classes. Yeah. It's crazy that they're like, hey, uh, we both graduated in 1945, and they're like, like, their conversations about the past weren't at least like, Hey, remember when we thought the Nazis were going to kill everybody? <laughs> that was crazy. Like, oh, how are you? And remember back in high school when we were both on the debate team and we thought that the Japanese were going to slaughter us? Do you remember that? That was crazy. So that's basically it. They just talk about it and they say it'd be a good idea to have a high school reunion. There's like eight or nine people that already still live here in Mayberry. Let's start with them. Uh, and then the next scene is just some woman who I guess went to high school with them shows up at the jail, uh, tells them that she sent out a bunch of letters and she got about 25 people responding. There's a side bit that isn't that funny about Barney talking about a, a girl who had a crush on him, uh, Ramona Wiley, and now she's married. It's it, The whole thing is just really, it's it's a pretty clear setup of just like, oh, well, you know, there was this girl that had a crush on me in high school. I bet she's going to hit on me when I see her roller coaster goes up. And then, like, a scene later, the roller coaster goes down where she's like, Uh, hi, I've never met you before. I have no idea who you are. And then he gets, like, very huffy. It's it's a super simple, predictable joke, but still fucking funny. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I, I mean, if you know anything about the character Barney Fife, you know where it's going. Like, from the moment it starts. Not necessarily, not just due to, like, the ca- his character details, but just, like, the pattern around his character where, like, if Barney Fife feels good about himself for something, the god just kind of stands above him and is like, oh, you think you're hot shit, motherfucker? Like, you think a woman is horny for you? I'm just going to roll up my sleeves and slap you upside the head. Fuck you. There is a bit that's, like, very, very, very 1960s in here where Barney and Andy and this woman who we've never seen before and we'll probably never see again sing their high school fight song together and the the orchestra swells during it. And I actually yelled at my TV, stop trying to make me feel nostalgic for a school I didn't go to. Yeah. <laughs> for a school that doesn't exist. Like, this, they sing the entire song. And, by the way, Mayberry Union High School is not a real place, so they had to write a fight song for this. The next scene and everything else is the high school reunion. There's some bits about uh, Barney, like, darting around with a yearbook trying to remember who people are. Did na- Were name tags not invented until, like, 1983? <laughs> yeah. It's, like, in that weird gap, because this kind of, like, presented the idea of, like, hey... 
you don't fucking remember anybody from high school. That sure is awkward. And then basically that became the point of high school reunions of like, you don't remember me, ha! It's Phil! Ah! Like, I think we were in sociology together. That's like basically the conversation piece. And this was still in the period where they expected each other to remember them. This did make me realize, like, yeah, name tags may not have existed. We probably didn't have, like, cheap disposable adhesive at the time. Yeah. Post-it notes didn't exist until the late 70s. So, yeah, this was probably, this was a pre-name tag (laughs) period of time. It's, this is the stuff that I find really interesting about the, like, time relic that is the Andy Griffith show. Is just, like, little shit that we take for granted that just was not considered. Whether that's post-it notes or whether that's... Cops have to have a warrant to search you. Yeah. There's all this stuff that we take for granted that did not exist not too long ago. And it's kind of just crazy to see it not even vaguely occur to these people. Yeah. Just like in the absence of name tags, they're not like, I sure do wish that there was some sort of adhesive sign uh, explaining who I am. They're just like, well, you have to have a little weirdo follow you around for the entire night. And, uh... And, and and that that's just what you gotta do. Like just someone that, that follows you around with their yearbook, just like calling out who it is. It's an, it's a it's it's a high school reunion. Can we can we go ahead and say uh, that high school reunion should probably be put to death? Like that tradition should probably go away now, right? Uh, like, are, I mean, especially in coronavirus age. But yeah, are they still alive? I feel like we are the last generation to have one of those. I got invited to mine. I didn't go. Um, I didn't go, but I, like, checked with my only remaining friends there. The only information I know about it is that, uh, the neo-Nazi that I got into a fist fight with my freshman year stood outside the, I guess, Elks Club lounge where they had it and screamed how unfair it was that he wasn't invited, despite the fact that he didn't graduate. <laughs> 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 that you should have gone. That would have been I, so I deeply gone satisfying for that. For that, <laughs> high school reunions are a stupid thing. Uh, they should die. Yeah. If if I wanted to know what was happening to people at my high school, I can find out because you can find out everything about everyone for the rest of our lives. Exactly. Like, Facebook immediately invalidated. All of the point of uh, of high school reunions. I went to my five year, which was basically like what? We have... what? Why? Yeah, yeah. what's I a fucking five year reunion? I do not know. It was ins- <laughs> it was an insane thing to it's, do with my it's, time. It's just a hundred people sitting around going, "Yeah, I've got a college degree that's fucking useless." All right, see you in five years. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like a quarter of the graduating class who had like made good choices with where they went to school and what their majors were making the rest of us feel terrible i went to it and with like sort of the the that that horrible thing of like let me see who was mean to me in high school and who's gotten fat and who's miserable and who looks like shit and it's like it's, it's been five all years. of us yeah no, all no. of us we all just graduated college we're all fucked up it's been five years also. You're all just way hotter. That's mm. the problem, right? Like, Yeah, like everyone was the same. It was so disappointing. And Everyone's hotter in their 20s. One, one kid did get too drunk and try to fight a bouncer. But he was one of the nice guys in high school, so it was really sad. The, the whole rest of this takes place at the reunion. Um, 
before we get into the romance thing, I do want to point out the uh, one thing. In one scene of this reunion, Barney and Andy are talking in front of the hors d'oeuvres table, I guess, the snack table. And the snacks are just a plate of bread, just a pile of bread. And I pointed it out, I was like, that's weird. And then the next scene, we see the same table from a different angle. And there's an entire roast turkey on the table. (laughs) Yeah. And I just kept thinking that when you're having snacks for an event, it feels like there should be a happy medium between those two. Your your event snack should be somewhere between stack of bread and whole Thanksgiving dinner. Well, listen, appetizer, and this is kind of off of the sticky note thing, appetizers weren't invented until the late 70s. Actually, that's like, possibly true. I mean, That's that... probably true. Where it's like, they, they didn't invent the slider until the 80s. God, do you think they had buffalo wings back then? Oh, no, no, no. I I know for a fact they didn't, because I've been to the place where buffalo wings were invented. I went to the place where buffalo wings were invented. It is, in fact, in Buffalo, New York. Our mutual friend Nicole and I were there on a copywriting trip that was paid for by the, like, Buffalo Department of Tourism. They paid us to go and write about buffalo. They're also paying me every single time I say the word buffalo. Nice. Uh, So here's that sentence. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. That just paid for a new car. Yeah, and while... While I was there, I'm not going to get into the whole history behind the Buffalo Wing. That's not that interesting. But we were on a food tour, right, uh, where we just went around Buffalo and just, like, our tour guide taught us to, like, er, showed us where all the best eats were. And I was there with a couple who were visiting from Texas, and one of them was the most Texas man I've ever seen. He was basically Doug Demodome from, or from <laughs> uh, Fairly Odd Parents, and... As our group got ready to uh, leave the uh, bar where the buffalo wing was in- invented, he and I both noticed that there was still some beer in our pitcher. So we both went to grab it. I poured him a little bit, He and I poured myself the rest. He looked at me, and he said, good man. We toasted. <laughs> and then he, as he walked away, he said something to me that I will never forget, which was, I'd rather see a church burn than waste good beer. Fuck, that's good. I'd rather see a church burn than waste good beer. Oh, God. You you gotta just... Texans are just able to just coin bullshit like that off the top of their heads. They're just, like, spitting folksy fire, like, every minute of every day. Like, they'll they'll be, like, doing a takeout order and just raining absolute verbal magic down. As people start to shuffle out or whatever, uh, everyone's kind of like tapping Andy on the shoulder. And that's when Sharon shows up. Uh, And first off, I knew that this wasn't going to work because Andy can't date a woman that is age appropriate for him. Like that's (laughs) this show show just won't let that happen. No, but but everything stops. Everything stops. And everybody's looking at the two of them and everyone's just kind of watching there's so much genuine, actual chemistry yeah. between these two. Like, within five seconds, this woman has not said anything. And she crosses the floor to look at Andy, and I'm already rooting for them. Yeah! Like, like I was just so... And all of a sudden, I looked, and I was like, Oh, right, Andy Griffith, the actor, can be genuinely charming. Uh, and they they start to dance together, and... 
I I'm just like I'm sold. I I these two work together. I'm sold on this. Because Irving establishes that when these two characters look at each other, their eyes light up. Which is something that Bob Sweeney has never thought to do, is show that when the people look at each other, they are happy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that has never occurred to him. Irving is good at these, like, sweeping facial expressions. There's another one in the other episode that's just heartbreaking. Mm. Um... I'm going to Google Charles Irving real quick and see if he directed anything, because he didn't direct anything beyond these two episodes of The Andy Griffith Show. We're not going to see him again. I'm going to uh, uh, Google Bob Sweeney while you do that, just like make myself useful, see if any like fun facts come up. No, he didn't direct anything else. He was mostly an actor. And Bob Sweeney died of cancer in Westlake Village, California. So, Well, you know. He was too fucking dark. Interesting. He never directed anything else but these, but he was good at it. Basically, the entire rest of the episode is a conversation between these two people in the garden outside of the high school gym. Yeah. Uh, And this is interesting because this is a locale that we've never seen before in Mayberry. We'll probably never see it ever again. And they have a conversation like... This is basically the before trilogy. It's just two yeah. people walking around, having a conversation and flirting uh, and talking about old times. And like, it's beautiful. It's romantic. It's sweet. And then all of a sudden, Sharon turns around and is just like, hey, you know your show's whole deal? Well, I'm going to fuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody, like, she actually exists to call... Like they're they're flirting together. They they even share a kiss. The first, maybe the only time we've seen Andy actually like straight up kiss a woman on the and it's a to to use his How? own vernacular, it's a good kiss. Like oh, deeply uh, unsexy. Uh, but all right. So this this conversation just get kicked off because Andy is like, "Hey, you should stay here a while." And she's like, "I gotta go back to Chicago." And he's like. What's so great about Chicago? Mayberry's beautiful this time of year. And she's like, I have a job. <laughs> like, I work. And he's like, okay, ignoring that, what does Chicago have that Mayberry doesn't? And she works at, like, a design firm. She said yeah. that she's some kind of designer. And he's like, well, you can work here. Designing what, Andy? He like, says, there's a lot of stuff that needs doing around here. So, like, they share one kiss and Andy is like, move here. Yeah. Please move here. I do not care about what your job is. We will find a version of it for you. I'm basically dictator. Uh, <laughs> we'll make some shit for you to design. Come back. And actually, what I like about this is Andy doesn't get what he wants. Like, hmm. Sharon turns to Andy and says... Yeah, I mean, I, Mayberry was a great place to grow up, but I can't reach my true potential here. And my yeah. jaw just dropped. I was like, oh my god, is the, is the Andy Griffith show maybe admitting that there's a reason to move to a big city? Yeah. And she straight up says, like, I like being a big fish in a big pond. I don't want to be a big fish in a small pond. And Andy says... I do. I like it here. I'm really happy here. I found happiness here, and being happy is all that matters. And she kind of says, "Yeah, but 
you don't know anything else. You've never been anywhere else. And Andy's like, you know what? I don't need to. If I went somewhere else, I would, uh, I would, I would find out that I was happy here, which is a bold sweeping statement for a man who is nearly 40 to make. I mean, it is like, it is a deep philosophical challenge to the nature of this show that the show very respectfully goes, eh, agree to disagree. Like, I was really expecting it to be revealed that Mary is miserable in the big city and wishes every day she could come home. But she was just like, nah, I mean, your your whole life could be a lie. And Andy's like, maybe. And then they, they, they shake hands and agree to be friends. Yeah, that's exactly it. And then Andy kind of says, oh, right, that's why we broke up in the first place. Yeah. Okay, well, that uh, sucks. And then, and that's it. Like, yeah. Season wrap on Sharon. Uh, and the last scene is Andy and Barney putting stuff away together. And it's kind of like melancholy and sad. And they make a reference to uh, a line of a poem that Barney mentioned in the beginning. It's not yeah. that important, but it's just, it's a sweet, sad moment. And there it is. Andy doesn't get what he wants. And, and, and there's, there's a moment like before when Andy and Sharon start dancing uh barney like says to someone like that's one of the all-time romances right there and they go out and they come back and they dance again as friends uh and barney says that's one of the all-time romances right there great yeah beautiful it's so i was genuinely moved by this episode yeah and i at the end of it i was just like groaning i was like damn i really I, were, were you sitting there like I, I knew it couldn't happen because I knew like how the show was going, but I was just like, "Do it, Andy. Do it. Go to Chicago. Go to Chicago, yeah. Andy. Do it. Do it." I mean, and then is... and then he didn't do it, and I was like, "You idiot!" But also, I get it. I get it. Yeah, he has a kid. He can't move to Chicago. This is true. His, <laughs> the beginning and end of his explanation is, "I have a kid. I have a child." Like and. Like, like the, he 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 couldn't he couldn't go in that direction. I did admire the balls of just being like, "Hey, I like you. I want to date you. Uproot your entire life. <laughs> I'm gonna take that shot. Not after after one kiss. Not even after multiple kisses. Like, we didn't even use tongue. And I'm gonna tell you." To sell your home, quit your job, and come here. I'm pretty locked in on this. I can't even shit talk that because, like, at oh, least... Oh, Marty, what did you do in your life? No, what story no. are you about to tell? <laughs> I can't shit talk that because at least 50% of our audience has had some romance with somebody they met online which was who lived hundreds of miles away. And if they didn't actually do this at least considered it. I've at mm-hmm. least considered this numerous times in my life. Or I've been Andy and I've been like tried to get people like, "Hey, come here. Come move yeah. here." Like, yeah. I can't even shit talk that. I uh, yeah, like you've you've been on like like talking to someone and be like, "You know, uh Philadelphia's pretty great. We got a lot of cool stuff. I'm just going to keep dropping how incredible it is living in Philadelphia." Yeah. Yeah. It's it's happened to everybody. Yeah, we've all, so I can't I can't shit talk that. I can't shit talk this episode. It's yeah. It's a legitimately good, high quality piece of television that is like 
I'm gonna say it's movie quality, just the yeah. way that it's made. It technically it's it's masterful. So it, the, uh, the, the the it's abandonment of television tropes. Like it does not have a typical TV arc, let alone an Andy Griffith show arc. Like there is no big dip. There is no like womp 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 sad moment that you recover from. It's it's pretty level the entire time. Like there's a there's a moment of sadness. But it's a very, like, slow, meditative piece that, like, does, like, some, and, and, and like, it does very light jokes, and crazy for the end of your show, they all land! Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I think, it's the ringer right now. I, I think it's the, uh, it's the one to beat. I, you know, I'm gonna put it in a category on its own, because it's... I could say it's the best Andy Griffith episode, but that's really kind of doing it a disservice because it's mm-hmm. not an Andy Griffith show episode. Like, yeah. It's so different from everything else that I can't really compare it. Uh, but let's do it anyway. Let's let's judge it on the same scale. Andy meter. Fucking 10. 10 plus. Yeah. Like, uh, and you know what? Here's here's the proposal I'm going to do. Uh, so this is a 10 on the Andy meter. Marty, where does this rank in terms of an episode of Cheers? Like if you if you just take this and you put it into Cheers, put it on a Ted this... Danson meter. I mean, I don't know. I what, should seen... I, what is there a better show? Like, should we do like Frasier? I'm gonna put it. It's a ten on the Andy meter. And I'm gonna put it at a seven on the Frasier meter. I think it's one of the better episodes of Frasier. You keep you keep p- picking shows that I know are good, but haven't really watched that much. Oh of. shit! Okay, uh, you know what's... you know what you know what you know what I'm gonna say. What? I'm gonna say that this is. An above average episode of MASH. Yes! Like, that's what it is. This it, is, is in, it is in the 25th percentile of MASH episodes. Like, th- this is one of the Alan Alda gets to monologue the entire time episodes of MASH. Yeah, just so good all around. I'm, I don't even I don't even want to do Barney meters. Zero. Like, nothing offensive happens yeah, in this nothing episode. nothing bad. The next episode. So, there you go. Uh, oh, you should, wait. Go, uh, we should do a quick ad break. Hey, Dan. Yeah. yeah. What's covering your balls right now? Little to nothing. Arguably nothing at all. We didn't use video on this podcast. I mean, that's that's fair enough. But in the occasions that you do need to cover your balls, the many, mm-hmm. many occasions that your balls should be covered, because your genitals are disgusting and mm-hmm. a sin from God, <laughs> you should cover them with me undies. Mm-hmm. Me undies are made with soft, breathable fabric uh, and come with a custom variety of uh, patterns. I'm currently wearing the for a few dollars more line. (laughs) (laughs) I have Clint Eastwood covering my ass crack. (laughs) Just his face right over your bulge. Because I also refer to my penis and testicles as the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) (laughs) MeUndies. Go to MeUndies.com and use the the promo code Mayberry. And you won't get shit, you idiot. (laughs) Have you not figured out that this is a bit? (laughs) Meundies. <laughs> all right, my turn. Uh, hey, Marty, you know how when all of this started, uh, you said you were going to use this time to read more. Absolutely not. Reading is for is from the devil. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyone who said that was lying to themselves. No one reads anymore. It's twenty twenty. Uh, you don't have the attention span, but you know it can help with that. Audible. That's right, with Audible, someone will just yell the book into your ears while you barely pay attention to it because you're doing other stuff. 
Use the promo code MANHUNT, and with your next purchase, you'll get a free James Patterson novel. It will be horrible, but it will keep you awake on your next flight to Denver. Uh, Audible. We're books. (laughs) Audible. It's like a podcast, but you get to act like you're better than people. (laughs) (laughs) Audible. When you say that you read the book, no, it's not technically a lie. All right, so the next episode of television is... um, We're doing this bit for the foreseeable. I love it. Uh, Next episode is season three, episode 20, Rafe Hollister Sings. It aired originally February 11th, 1963, written by Harvey Bullock, directed by Charles Irving. Rafe Hollister, Jack Prince, reveals his hidden talent as a singer for a benefit show. But Mayor Stoner does not like his shabby appearance. Rafe proves him wrong when his performance at the show receives a positive reception. And then as a quick note, last appearance of Mayor Stoner. Which is kind of a bummer, right? I liked having Mayor Stoner here as a foil to Andy. Um, he acts very out of character for, in this episode, though. Yeah, like, the Mayor Stoner transitions from, like, a curmudgeon to a full stop asshole here. Yeah, in previous ep- in renditions, Mayor Stoner has always been difficult to work with, but for reasons that make sense for the town. Um, right. I, I guess it's not that out of character. Um, I guess he's always cared about like the reputation of the town in front of people. Mm-hmm. But compare this to like the episode where he doesn't want the Mayberry Band to go to the state because they're terrible. Yeah. In this episode, he doesn't want Rafe to sing at the, like, musical performance because he's ugly, basically. Because he doesn't dress right. So, there's... He slowly becomes more and more corrupt and more and more... uh, And less and less relatable. uh, Less and less justifiable in his behavior. And now he's gone. So, and with him being gone, Andy once again gets free reign of the entire... uh, the entire city because no one else is challenging him yeah because uh, like early early mayor was uh he he was like a kind of an asshole but he did respect his constituents like he was dedicated to them he was talking to farmers and he was like what can i fucking do for you i have your back i'm making sure that i'm taking care of your interests i'm earning your vote and now he's just like farmers they suck ass they're ugly we're not a farm town. We're an industrial village of young professionals. Uh, the man I once respected is dead uh, and good riddance. Yeah, so, I mean, let's not even go through this scene by scene. Let's let's just run through this real quick because you can pretty much see what's going to happen. Um, it opens up. Barney is, like, getting ready to do some singing tryouts. Uh, Rafe Hollister, a farmer who we've seen before. Uh, last time we saw Rafe Hollister, he was refusing to get a tetanus shot. Um, right. And suddenly his whole demeanor and attitude has changed. He comes in, he's delivering some, some green beans that Aunt B asked him to drop off. He finds out about the singing competition or the singing recital or whatever uh, from Barney. And it turns out Rafe Hollister has... The voice of an angel. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, uh, this is yet another thing of a director who is not Bob Sweeney doing a much better job. Because 
the physical transformation that happens when this guy starts singing. Like, Ray Hollister comes in and he's like, I'm like a human Goomba. I, I'm, I'm a ridiculous cartoon character of a man. And then he starts singing and he, like, turns into a human being in front of your eyes. Like, his head, like, comes out of his neck and he starts to, like, like become, like, actually a very, like, handsome man. And the way it happens, the way, like, Irving lights it is absolutely stunning. It's so good. And it also reminds you, uh, oh, yeah, these people are actors. Yeah. This, this man is an actor. His name is Jack Prince. Yeah. And uh, apparently a damn fine one that you put in this hillbilly outfit. A little bit of trivia from the Ultra Reliable Mayberry Wiki. He first met Andy Griffith when they performed together in the Broadway musical Destry Rides Again. <laughs> That uh, can't be right. Destiny Rides is, Again is, is a Western movie, isn't it? I've literally never heard of it. It's this a Western either. film with uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart in it. It's not a... Oh, it is a musical. Huh. Interesting. Maybe there's a musical version and you just saw the non... You saw the non-musical uh, Jimmy Stewart adaptation. Interesting. Yeah, Destry Rides Again is a 1959 musical comedy with music and lyrics by blah, blah, blah. The play is based on the 1939 classic film of the same name. Interesting. You know, the the deal was probably like every fucking extra and guy whose name is Horace, who's like a toothless dipshit, is like, I'm a classically trained opera singer and bob sweeney was like shut the fuck up shut the fuck up you're a goon and you're a bumpkin and you're gonna tell a joke about not understanding how hay is different from food uh and like all of these people are just like please i know how to play the clarinet i'm hugely talented uh i went to juilliard and bob sweeney is like you're a goon and you're gonna talk about how you like to get drunk on moonshine and shut the fuck up immediately after that. And then Bob Sweeney got, like, like food poisoning, and Jack Irving was in charge, and he was like, Who's got a talent? <laughs> That's really what this feels like, is they were just like, uh, um, and this is this is also Jack Prince's last appearance on the show, which is a shame. They because just like, Bob Sweeney got back, he was like, Prince, what did I fucking tell you? You do not sing on my show. You wait until I'm out of town, and then you twist the other guy's arm, you're fucking gone. You'll never work in this goddamn town again. You're, I made you a bumpkin, and you're gonna fucking die a bumpkin. Enjoy hee-haw, motherfucker. Bob Sweeney. <laughs> Bob Sweeney. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> real son of a bitch, Bob Sweeney. <laughs> Bob Sweeney made you! <laughs> Bob Sweeney made you and he'll goddamn destroy you! Rafe finds out about the singing competition, much to Barney's chagrin, because Barney wanted to, to you know, be a star there or whatever. And Rafe decides to go and do it. Rafe, Rafe initially isn't going to do it, and then Barney pretty much, like, talks him into it by saying how much Rafe is too much of a bumpkin to know how to do it. And Rafe is like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to go do it. Uh, he does. He gets the part, obviously. And the rest of the episode is Mayor Stoner and this ancient woman who we've, <laughs> we've, we've never seen before, yeah. we'll never see again, uh, are just disapproving of the way Rafe looks and acts. They Her name that, is Madam Harumph. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> And they say that Wraith cannot represent Mayberry at this thing that's held in Mayberry. What are you talking yeah. about? It's not even like he's going anywhere. 
Like, um, do, you, do you think you're you're protecting Mayberry's glossy image as like the next Seattle? Like, it's a farming town. Like, no one has illusions of what your fucking deal is. Uh, at first, Andy kind of goes along with it. He's like, "All right, maybe I can get Rafe to wear a suit." Uh, they put Rafe in a suit that is they they of course do a uh bog standard Andy Griffith scheme to trick Rafe into wearing a suit. They get him to wear a suit for like a rehearsal. Rafe's wife comes in, and again, just the way she looks at her husband wearing that suit, and is just so proud of him, and just just beaming with joy. It was it was, it was genuinely moving. Uh, and then she also, she overhears the mayor and this old woman tell Andy, okay, he looks fine, but make sure that bumpkin doesn't interact with anyone. And yeah. then, like, all the, like, light just drains from her face. And it's, it's to this show's credit, right, that they just let Andy, they just let that happen, they let Andy see that, and then they leave it. Other episodes would have dragged that out. Andy would have been like, oh, now, Miss Hollister, let's have a conversation. And then they would have explained it. No, this one, he sees the reaction, and then he knows what he has to do. Final scene, uh, Andy comes out to accompany Rafe Hollister on the guitar, and Rafe is there in his overalls, uh, and he sings beautifully, and everyone loves it. Yeah. Uh, including, I guess, the hostess or the judge of this thing, who's just like, oh, it was such a good idea to have him dress you know, like the like the local color. It, it makes this so much more authentic. Please sing another song. And that's yeah. it. That's episode. Episode ends. The stinger is Barney again, pouting about, uh, like, not getting to sing. Uh, and then he's shown up by Ronnie Howard. And there's a real sweet moment where Andy and Ronnie uh, sing, a, sing the... Uh, crawdad hole or they sing the fishing hole together yeah uh, you get a line i get a pole honey and that's the end of the episode uh yeah like it's it's just a very like brief sweet episode it's uh like it feels it, like it's like six minutes long it really is like i was trying to remember like like the like, connective tissue between it and there is stuff but you know what it all is the, the padding of this is, like, people sing, like, 15 fucking times. <laughs> like, that's what it is. So, it like, they can do, a, a, like, a six-minute episode because Rafe Hollister is singing beautifully for, like, ten cumulative minutes. And quite frankly, like, while he was singing with Andy playing guitar, the best guitar playing Andy's ever done. Yeah. Like, masterful work because he's not sitting there just... Doing his weird southernisms, like, yeah, just just an absolutely beautiful scene of these two men, these two friends playing and singing together, and not giving a fuck what anyone else thinks. Look down, look down, that lonesome road before you travel on look up look up and seek your maker for Gabriel blows his heart it's so good it, he, like 
The only like weird aspect, but it kind of makes it better, is that Rafe Hollister is singing like Irish ballads, yeah. <laughs> which is very clearly what the actor knows is able to sing really well. But it's like I love the idea of this like uh, this like backwoods farmer being like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I I I know that uh, obscure you uh, European, uh, I know that obscure European dirge absolutely. Uh. Yeah, so, and that's that's it. Uh, I wanted to point out, like, even the scheme, the, like, the Andy Griffith con that he does, it's different than the normal cons that he pulls. Because, number one, the, it, because it makes sense that, um, let me try this again. It's different than the normal cons that he pulls. Because there's an active reason why he doesn't just want to have the conversation. There's a reason why Andy can't just say, hey, Rafe, you need to put on this suit, right? Uh, because it would hurt Rafe's feelings. Rafe walks into the jailhouse uh, wearing a wearing a tie under his overalls and a battered kind of threadbare uh, sport coat. Uh, and he's so proud of himself and he's so happy. And he says, I thought I would have to get dressed up for something like this. Uh, and he doesn't even realize that his dressed up is still too trashy for the mayor. Uh, and Andy knows if he tries to get him to put on a suit, it's going to crush him. So he comes up with a scheme. Uh, it's a actually a funny bit where uh, Rafe comes back. He's like, hey, Andy, I'm ready to go to the practice right now. And Andy's like, yeah, I'm just going over some notes here. Uh, some some police records that are missing. Uh we somebody we picked up for moonshining in April of last year, and I don't know who it was. The name is missing. And Ray Hollister very helpfully goes, April, early April last year. Yeah, that was me. You picked me up. That was me. You arrested for moonshining. <laughs> but sheriff, I ain't done any moonshining since then. At least not that you would notice. He's so fucking good. Yeah, He's so good. And uh, Andy's like, well, you know what? We made a mistake. You're, we're supposed to give people a, a fresh suit when they get out of town. Like, when, when you get out of jail, you're supposed to get a suit to help you reiterate in society. So, uh, Barney, go get that suit. Uh, you got to wear that suit for a little bit, Rafe, because uh, otherwise I'm going to get in trouble. With who? Uh, yeah. So that's, and that, you know, that there it is. There's your Andy Griffith con. I'm not going to give it any Barney score because... I understand it, and it really doesn't hurt anyone. Yeah, no, it's great. It's like d- again, it's it's a second Andy Griffith like Andy Griffith episode with zero reprehensibility. Like it's great. Like it's the it's a good episode. It is extremely fucking thin, uh, and uh, it's yeah. There's like, but there it's thin for good reasons because it's mostly just like really nice moments of just like characters bullshitting i watched an hour of the andy griffith show and i felt good afterwards yeah okay so here is the difference between a bob sweeney episode that's really thin and an irving episode that's really thin because a bob sweeney episode would basically be like hey we have 10 minutes of plot here so what we're going to do is we're going to have seven different characters explain the plot so far at different instances, basically just redoing the plot over and over again. And, 
like an Irving episode is like, hey, we got like we got like seven minutes of plot. Let's just have a motherfucker sing. Like, let's just do a very fun bit about uh, striking matches on your father's boot uh, and how nice that was. Like, it's like it's it's repetition versus just wandering aimlessly. It's so much better. There we go, folks. Uh, I'm also going to say this is a 10. It's not as good as the previous episode was, um, but it's still pretty fucking good. Like, it's a 2 on the mash meter. It, don't worry about it, though, because next week we're going back to Bob Sweeney and we're getting another episode about good kids versus bad kids and child rearing. So we're going yeah. back going back to the fucking well, y'all. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it too much. Bob <laughs> Sweeney's fucking wheelhouse. <laughs> Uh, uh yes. Yeah, so. Also, ending on some good news, and but you can totally edit this out, Marty. For people that are on Twitter way too much, uh, Grand Linehan just got uh, banned. What? Yeah. Good things, man. You got to take the wins where you can get them. Graham Linehan just got banned from Twitter. Low tax isn't in charge of something awful anymore. Uh, damn. Uh, they they're getting rid of a white guy voicing up. Who? It's just like you you, you gotta take the wins where you can get them. Uh, he's uh, Hank Azaria stepped down like six months ago, but uh, did he? Yeah, Hank Hank Azaria like a while ago said that he wanted to do that. But anyway, uh, yeah, hell yeah. Um, we are. They, yeah, they announced that no white people are voicing non-white characters on The Simpsons anymore. So. I don't know what they're... That, that basically... I think if Hank Azaria is stepping down as a poo, I think that impacts Carl? Carl and Dr. Hibbert, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the question I have to do is, like, yes, that is a good thing, but you could just not do The Simpsons anymore. Mm. Like, I... I No one cares. I, the, the, you're shifting into a bold new era of a thing that is dead. Yeah. Mm. Like, it's... It, it, like, great. Congratulations that your zombie has is no longer offensive. It's still a fucking shuffling corpse. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, they did the same thing with Family Guy, and people are so mad that Cleveland is no longer going to be voiced by a white man. Cleveland's not even on the show anymore, as far as I understand. Hey, that's a good segue, though. If you listen to us on Patreon, uh, Dan and I are now talking about Family Guy, and what the fuck was it? And what the hell were the early 2000s anyway? It's like the fall of the Roman Empire, but we're talking about Family Guy. And so you should listen to that on Patreon. If you're not already a Patreon subscriber, you should join that uh, for us. Uh, and other ways you could support us, if you don't want to you know, be a Patreon subscriber, give us them likes and ratings and reviews. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Uh, it'd be weird if this was the episode that made you subscribe, but we do still appreciate it. Uh, yeah. let's just, let's just wrap this up, man. Uh, on the internet, uh, I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds, two Ds. Uh, and on the internet, we, on Twitter, we are at Break Mayberry. Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Instagram Breaking Mayberry. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. The music you have heard at the beginning and the end of this episode was made by Max Ludwig, who streams on Twitch as Sleep Talkie. Uh, we joined him yesterday, and Dan got way too drunk. <laughs> yeah, I did. Other than that, uh, be sure to join us again next week, which will surely be another terrible episode. Uh, 
Go watch these episodes of the Andy Griffith Show before it's taken off Netflix on July 1st. Uh, oh, yeah, we're so screwed. We're in so much fucking trouble. Uh, guys, everybody needs to get Amazon Prime so that we can still have a podcast, okay? Uh, this episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, please, please do it. We don't need, we don't want to have to stop doing this. Uh, and that's it for us. We'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Mr. Hollister, will you favor us with another selection? Want to? Why not? Riding on that new river train. Riding on that new river train. The same old train that brought me here. Gonna carry me back again. Darling, you can't love one. Darling, you can't love one. You can't love one and have any fun. Oh, darling, you can't love one.